Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. A lot to talk about this week, but first, so far, two very successful watch parties. I'd like to thank everybody for coming out. We will once again be located at the Holy Grail at the Banks for everybody to come down and check out the Bearcats taking on South Florida 330 ESPN+. Plus. They do have the setup. All the games, the, the, the game will be on. It will be an excellent place for you to ch- check out the Bearcats as they take on the South Florida Bulls in their third game of the season for Luke Fickle and his crew. So make sure you have your full party with you when you get there and uh, obey all the rules. Everybody social distance and enjoy the game. Enjoy a couple drinks. Maybe get you some uh, fried Reuben wontons. Maybe get some chicken wings. Chicken wings sound good. Uh, but get down there Saturday, 3.30. Maybe get, get a little early, get you a spot, get situated. Watch the Bearcats take on the Bulls. The number 15 Bearcats take on the Bulls. I'm sure Dave will have thoughts on that uh, on this podcast as well. So let's get rolling, Dave. Bearcats uh, successful, 24-10 in their defeat over Army on Saturday. Uh, Offensively was not pretty. Defensively was an absolute masterpiece. Uh, Maybe the Mona Lisa so far of Marcus Freeman's Bearcat career. And uh, (laughs) that was was a hell of a day from the Cincinnati defense. Very good. A lot of... A lot of individual performances stood out. A lot of uh, group performances or a lot of stats that were impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of – I know the score didn't end up being exactly that, but outside of the, you know, the couple misses from the offensive standpoint, it kind of went the way I thought it might. Cincinnati was clearly – the better football team. Right. And, you know, take, take, you know, whatever internet rankings you want to do, but uh, guy that works for the athletic covers the G five a lot. He also does like a full ranks everybody. And right now there's 76 teams that are playing. So he's ranking 76 teams. Guess who's ranked 75th and 76th. The two teams that army played the first two weeks of the season. Correct. And that's kind of what I was getting at last week was that, yes, they pose a problem because they are good and they run the triple and they run it well. But if we were as good as we think we are, especially on defense, it wasn't going to be a problem. And it honestly wasn't a problem. Like, I think UC got a little lucky on Army's first drive of the game when they had the incomplete pass on the Army sideline. It was a little behind the guy, but the guy should have caught it. If he'd have caught it, he might have scored, and it's 14-3 to three then. Yeah. Or it's four, yeah, 14-3, to three, and it's just – it might be a totally different game, but the guy – it was a bad pass because their quarterback isn't very good, and it was behind him, and he didn't catch it, and that's the way sports goes. But after that play – I mean, there really wasn't any – they had some nice runs, but I wouldn't really call any of the runs because of, like, massive breakdowns. They just had – they're good players, and they run a good system, and sometimes you're going to give up runs. It wasn't because you see necessarily totally lost assignment or things like that, but, I mean – Really, I, I really only had one run stand out to me, and that was uh, schematically, I thought, a great play from Army when they motioned the slot back and, and gave it to him uh, on the dive. Yeah. And he went up the middle like that schematically UC wasn't ready for that and great play call by army. But, but I mean, it's like, had, Fickle said, it's like Fickle said yesterday, they threw the kitchen sink at Cincinnati. They, sure. they used everything in their playbook well, they, and couldn't do it. They anything. had a week off that the yeah. game got canceled. So they had a chance to, to evaluate, you know, whatever tape you can evaluate of UC playing Austin P and come up with some stuff that they hadn't seen before. You know, maybe it's okay. They we know they study Navy and they've studied our tape from last year, but here's some stuff that maybe we only used a couple times that we can do, or here's some stuff that we've we've built off of 
you know, you know, off of what we've done in the past, but I think it was 19, I don't know if it was 19 plays or 19 runs of two yards or less. Um, you know, they had a couple 20 something plus yard runs, but I mean, you, you hold them to around four yards a carry with the number of times they're going to run the ball a little bit over 200 yards below their season average. Granted, like we talked about, not the best competition, but still, you average 385, you average 385. Like, you're good at running the football. You're, right. just, you're not going to get that number just solely based on playing bad teams. So the things they did, whether it was how they used Michael Pitts, lining him up on the tight end side, whether it was, you know, the thing that I was most, you know, I was just, just thought of this kind of when we were getting ready to come on, it was we've talked a lot about the two deep defensive line is all returning and, you know, eight, eight guys that played a lot last year. The thing I noticed re-watching the game, because I, I mean, I watched the game, but you're kind of watching it not to, like, look for specific things, you're just watching it as the game. You don't even notice who's in or who's out, really, because there's legitimately very, very little drop-off. So it's not like with most teams when you can tell, okay, so-and-so defensive tackle, he's played two series in a row or whatever, he's going to have this series off, and all of a sudden the other team is running the ball better or whatever. It's very hard to tell without just looking and going, okay, there's – my Jay, there's Marcus Brown, you know, whoever it might be. It's like, you know, there's really no drop off. And that's obvious what you hope for, but it's very rare on any level, even at the highest of levels, to be able to run in eight guys that you feel comfortable about to the level that they do. Everybody would love to have a 1A and a 1B or a 1A and 1A plus, whatever they want to call it. But the realistically is, your best players are going to play your most snaps. But this team, especially on the D-line, doesn't really have to do that. And that's why you see Amaije still chasing guys down for three-yard gains that would probably normally be eight- or nine-yard gains if he was playing 65 snaps instead of 40 snaps. Yeah. I mean, it, it... – <laughs> watching the chess match of it from behind um, was pretty fascinating. You know, when, when army would go one wide receiver, uh, UC would just take the second corner, take they, a lot of times they took sauce off the field and left Kobe on the field. Cause Kobe's, you know, the more physical uh, of the two corners, the, you know, what I would consider the better tackler of the two. And they'd bring in pits and, it really wasn't a full, like, it, it wasn't the bare front that Fick talked about the whole time. Because Majay was up and moving around. Or not Majay, but Pitts was up and moving around. And he was actually more like uh, the fourth linebacker quite a bit. Uh, but then they did go into the bare front at times where they had five defensive linemen. And if you're Navy, you're, you've got to be, or if you're Army, you've got to be looking at that and going, where did this come from? It again goes back to Marcus Freeman just cooking things up in the lab because he's got so much versatility in so many different ways he can use all those guys. And we had talked about, you know, they, I didn't know much about the 4-4 because I didn't think they really had, you know, four linebackers that they loved in that set. If you remember two years ago against Navy, you had Malik Clements, you had Perry until he got hurt. You had B. Wright, you had DeBlanco, uh, you had Jarrell. You know, you had a rotation of five or six linebackers in there that, that, that they were pretty confident with. I don't, I don't think they had that this time. I thought Huber looked a little bit lost when he was out there uh, until he got nicked up. Um, you know, I, it just felt like that 4-4 wasn't going to be it, if you will. Right. So what was it going to be? And I get, I, I was texting with Marcus on Sunday and giving him a little bit of crap because they didn't work on any of that stuff Tuesday when we were in practice. <laughs> they, they, they hit it and, and they unleashed it later in the week. And again, Army just had no answer for any of it. And 
his ability to scheme, his ability to, to use guys creatively is fascinating to watch from a, from an X's and O's standpoint, from a, a standpoint of, you know, the, the chess match that is football. He's so good at it. Well, Army doesn't have an answer for it because they don't play anybody that can do that. Right. So how many teams are there really that can do it? It's not like they're going to go, okay, we're going to practice this against five D linemen. One of them's kind of a freak outside linebacker, rush in, do whatever the heck he wants. Like, and UC can't, you know, Marcus can't even come up with that if it's not for the, the talent that they've absolutely recruited and developed. Because really, I mean, even when they went five with D linemen, it wasn't, they didn't, like you said, they didn't really run bare because they kept the D tackles at kind of their normal alignment. They didn't really have like that pinch, you know, the pits and um, when Pitts was in and my they were almost like wide nine, like the Eagles used to run, like they were pretty yeah. wide. And then the three guys were still in kind of their traditional, I mean, I'm sure they were a little bit tighter, but well, traditional like nose tackle slash defense tackle slash DN that you would, that they would normally line up in the three when they go three, three, five. Yeah. So it's like, how the hell are you going to block that when you then now have like ponder and pits on this, if the tight ends on that side, the thing I just kind of noticed the most was like when Ponder, when um, Pitts was in, he almost just automatically went upfield to take out that if they were coming his way, if the tight end side went upfield to take out the pitch man mm-hmm. to make the quarterback cut it back inside, knowing that the center and guard aren't going to be able to block his nose tackle and ponder and then the backside guy is probably going to crash in too and then if it gets up it's the outside i mean mind had several chase down tackles from sure, from the backside of the play right well i'm sure the guy the running back or the quarterback whoever's like thinking okay this is going to be a pretty decent play and then he gets tackled from behind i mean he did that several times so it's i don't know i mean obviously you probably don't see that again but here's here's the beauty of it dave this is what i love this is the chess match part of it that I, that I absolutely love. So we talked last week and and you just hit on exactly what I'm going to say. Fickle talked about, we're now a three man front team and we don't want to go outside of the principles that we're using with that three man front. Right. So he didn't, he kept the three man front as they used the three man front and then just added two wide ends to, it, right. And, and I mean, but that's the beauty of, of Luke, right? He's telling you the truth in that situation. Yeah, it's not a five down. It's, they're not five down linemen. Right. But well, but he's telling you the truth in that we we practice and we we operate with this three man front right now. And we don't want to go away with from the principles of the three man front to do a four man front like the four four. Sure. So we're going to keep our principles of the three man front against the option, which we all look at and go, are you nuts? Can't well, I mean, three man uh, front, but, but we knew but, that that wasn't right. But he's telling the truth because they operated the three man front. Like they usually use the three man front. Right. They just added my and Pitts uh, out wide, which it's fantastic. It, it's, it's game planning and gamesmanship at its finest. Because you know Army's looking at that thing and going, "There's no way they're running a, a you know, their standard the way that they run their three man front." Well, they did. Yeah, what? They're gonna just put five DBs in. <laughs> they they did run the same principles of the, the three three five. They just took uh, the extra guys yeah. and, and added them to the edge. I mean, we talked fantastic. about it's fantastic. Jokingly, I said they should just run a five two. You did. Yeah. <laughs> it's really more i really should have said a five three because you don't honestly you yeah don't it was a five three three yeah but yeah so, i mean that I thought, part of it i lo- i just love that part of fickle and, and the way that him and freeman do things because it's having followed college football for so long it can, it can be so um vanilla in that this is what we do and we're not gonna you know 
we're not going to stray from what we do. Right. And we're getting to the point now where there's a couple games a year where they do something. And as you're watching it, you're like, is that, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? I don't know how many times in the first, like, I don't know, probably 15 army plays that I'm standing there pre-snap and just counting. What, well, what are they doing here? What are they doing now? What are they doing here? What are they doing now? I started, love that part of it. It started on the second, second play. play. Yeah, second play. And I, I would say, you know, I didn't, you know, I have free time. I don't have that much free time. I didn't actually go, <laughs> go back and, like, chart how often. But it did seem like it was, give First or take, a, down about, a 50, about 50% of the time. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, when you're in <sighs> – Usually when you're any, you know, first and second down, because if it was third and long, they have, they would have multiple receivers in. Yeah. So yeah, I would say roughly 50% of the time. I loved it. It it, it thoroughly entertained me uh, and kept me occupied. That, that, that part of it's fun too. When you've actually got something that's like, you know, you got to stay on your toes. Sure because they're doing something that, that you're not used to seeing. And if you're going to talk about it, you better pay pretty close attention to it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think, I think they only ran the actual bear front one play. Well, ho- hopefully no one is listening because then they'll definitely call you and tell you how wrong you are. If, if that is inaccurate or no, I, well, I can tell it, you it is unless, they to- unless Marcus told you. Uh, Marcus, Marcus didn't. Luke did. Luke asked me yesterday before practice, how the hell I saw it when they only used it for one play. And I'm like, well, I was standing back there counting and like paying attention before every snap. Cause I didn't know what the hell you guys were going to do next. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's, let's get to the stuff that everybody wants us to talk about. People have demanded, South, South demanded. Florida? no, not yet. Oh, okay. We don't have, well, what, how long are we going to talk about South Florida? I mean, I got a few, a few things. It's, it's none of it's good for them. Like, <laughs> it'll be situation. longer. It'll be longer than Austin P. But bad uh, situation down in Tampa, man. Let's talk about offense. All right. Um, great day for Michael Young. Yeah, could have been a lot. Could have been a lot better. Could have been a lot better. Um, look, it was a bad day from Des. I don't. I don't think anybody is going to shy away from that. Um, he did not, especially the first quarter and into a little bit of the second quarter. He was, he was not good. Um, I do think he got back on track a little bit and had some nice throws, uh, as the game went on, but look, I think it's like this, Dave, Des is not a, not a guy that's going to throw a great deep ball. He, He doesn't have touch for it. We've seen that over two years and two games. Uh, where I do think he has improved, and that did not always bear itself out against Army, uh, especially early, but he has drastically improved, I think, in that 15 to 20 intermediate yard range. Uh, the, the ball to Jay Sean was outstanding. Uh, that got Jay Sean the 40-yard gain. The slant to Michael Young for the touchdown was very good. Um, if we're going to talk about the bad, we're going to talk about the good. Uh, we'll get to the pitch here in a minute. But the two throws, and this is why everybody was mad, and and rightfully so, I think. The two throws to Young in the first quarter, on it was, what, the second drive, um, where he missed him long uh, for what probably could have been a walk-in touchdown. Michael Young was wide open on that play. And then overthrew him for the interception that went through Young's hands. Um, Those were bad throws. Bad throws. I guess – where where I kind of come in on it is yeah, they are they were bad throws, and they're late throws, and could again be way off here. It seems like his his deep ball has gotten really flat. I think it's always been pretty flat. Like there was that one shot down the sideline where. It would have been a beautiful completion, not down the side, not really down the sideline, maybe down the numbers. It would have gone for a touchdown where he just barely overthrew Young, um, like squeezed it in. Corner was beaten. Safety was slow getting over, and it was just overthrown. And I'm just thinking, if you just put a little more air under that, 
the guy's not going to go get it, but you have a chance for your guy to, to run under it a little bit. But it, especially Saturday, I just thought like he was a little slow because the one interception was late and high. Um, and I just thought the decision-making is not, you know, a couple times in the run game. And then the, the, some of the throws we know that maybe weren't the right reads on top of not being the best throw. I just, I'm not expecting some crazy leap from like Joe Burrow junior year to Joe Burrow senior year. But I do expect a level of understanding and a level of consistency that I don't think is uh, being too harsh out of someone that is in their third year of starting yeah. and has won, I don't know offhand, around 25 games as, the, as a starting quarterback. Right. Um, so I, while I don't agree with the whole, like, you just got to put Ben in because, you know, if – if you're going to make a change at any position and especially quarterback, you have to feel confident that the person you're putting in not only does the same thing as the starter, but gives you a better chance to win. And we can say, well, Ben's got a better arm. He does. No one's, no one is disillusioned to in that regard, but there is a lot more to it than just having a better arm. And maybe he would have a higher completion percentage. But the things that we don't know about as fans that we don't know about, even as guys that cover the team is like, what sort of freedom does Des have at the line? Is he allowed to check from certain plays to other plays? Does he have to just run what he's being told? Is he checking? Are, are the plays that we're seeing that, or just maybe a four or five yard play. Is that actually him checking into that from a play that would have been a bad play? I don't think Ben probably would have that same freedom. So I don't really begrudge anybody for taking that side of things because let's be honest, like our goal is to beat Memphis, beat SMU, beat UCF, go to the conference championship, win the conference championship, and then see what happens. The performance we saw Saturday from the quarterback is not good enough to do those things. So if you want to say, I think Ben is good enough to do those things, I might push back a little and go based on what, but then the other side of me says, you're three years in, I shouldn't still be seeing these same type of things. The offense had on certain plays had schemed guys wide open and whether it was a bad throw or a bad read, we're not capitalizing because the defense is not going to do this every freaking week. They're not going to escape games it's just the law of averages. They're not going to escape games like South Florida last year, like Temple last year. If there is legitimately no threat to push the ball down the field, whether it's because our quarterback is not reading the play properly or can't complete the pass, even though now we kind of know we've got the guys on the outside to do that, and one of them that we were counting on hasn't even played yet. So – I see both sides. I'm not ready to get on some big train of we got to make a change. Given the current scheduling setup, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them both against South Florida. And then you roll that into the bye week and then into Tulsa. You know, we talk about competition. We know Coach Fickle is very loyal understands that there is a bigger picture of the quarterback position was reluctant last year to make a change. I don't know if he's as reluctant this year, but I still don't anticipate some all of a sudden 
I don't a quick trigger. Right. There's going to have to be like, and I don't think we're going to be able, I mean, I'm not sure this is going to be a great barometer this week, but you know, if it, I will say if he struggles this week, you got kind of all the bullets you need. Like South Florida stinks. They're not good. So if we can't generate some, some big plays offensively and he's still missing throws and we, you know, there's some reads that aren't right, whether it's on passes or on option, on you know, read option running plays. Then all, then you know, that's where we're at. But I'm not ready to be there right now. No, I'm with you. The pitch play. Well, I mean, what do you, what do you want me to say? It has he. But we're going to talk about it because it happened. I've talked to everyone who have confirmed exactly what we saw and exactly what we thought. I mean, Wyatt Fisher and Jason Jackson blocked that guy. It's a 20, 30 yard game. Yep. There's he's blocked and there's a safety. You think Chuck's not like not getting, you know, he's going to make some yards. I, I just don't, I kind of said it on the board. I don't, there's a level of reasonability with your quarterback. Like he's reading, I don't know if it was a truly a linebacker or a defensive end. He read the guy. He it was, was a linebacker. He read the guy he was supposed to read. He pitched the ball. He's not really going to read the guy he's supposed to read with his right eye. And then with his left eye, see that my two guys didn't block anybody. And this guy's darting in to make a great play. And even though my right eye tells me I'm supposed to pitch it, my left eye is telling me I need to keep it and let this guy tackle me for a three yard loss instead of pitching it and having him knock it down, hit the ground and bounce directly back up to him. So he can run it in for a touchdown. From behind the play, I thought he I thought he just snatched it out of the air. I, the, his body blocked me. I didn't see it get knocked down and bounce right, right back up to him. But he never broke stride. It was, it was a ridiculous play. Like, it was a great play by that guy, which is going to happen. And it was a crappy play by the two wide receivers who literally didn't touch him, and he ran right between the two of them. How, does, how, do, how do you get split like that? I don't, I don't understand even how it happened. How, how do you, you just maybe look- think in your head – the other guy is going to hit him first. And then it's like in baseball, I guess, when like a fly ball drops in between two guys, because they each think the other guy is going to catch it. Maybe they, yeah. one of them thought he was, he's going to hit him first because he's on the inside and that's where he's coming from. And then the other guys like didn't do anything and who the hell knows, but they didn't lay a damn finger on it. No, that's not on deaths. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't care what, what you think. <laughs> like, I respect your opinion, but but you're wrong on that one. I that know. one was not on Des. The interception, a thousand percent on Des. The missed throws, a thousand percent on Des. That pitch play, no. That, I just that, feel like that's that's piling on for the sake of wanting to back be, yeah. up your your opinion that there should be a change at quarterback. I agree. It's exactly what it is. Um. What, what, what are your thoughts at tailback right now? Jerome Ford and Chuck should get 80% of the carries. I don't know about – I mean, Dokes did have a four-touchdown game the week before. Um, Does it – okay. What, when, is the offense has been, when has the offense been the best in the first two games? Tempo and running the ball outside with those two guys. That part I won't disagree with. Although the one Ford run was up the middle, it's it's the one run up the middle they've actually had this year. Right. I mean, he made a nice cut too. It, you know, not that the guy was in the backfield, but he made a real nice cut in the hole to not get touched and walk in. But I I think they ran more tempo on their scoring, on their their like prolonged scoring drive, and I just think those guys like I'm not saying Dokes isn't a valuable member or a key contributor to the team. But if you're struggling to run the ball up the middle for whatever reason, stop running the ball up the middle. <clears throat> That's not going to happen in a Luke Fickle offense. Okay. They're going to well, run at you. They're going to try not, to wear you down. I'm, I don't disagree with that. But, like, the, f- the first and goal drive after the blocked punt. Well, that's <clears throat> that was bad. We had we saw Wildcat how many times last week? Didn't see it at all this week. We saw tight ends used out the yin yang last week. They got I think four tar- four total targets this week. Like 
And if you're going to do, if you're going to use Chuck, like, I don't really understand the banging him right up the middle when the army's got 11 guys in the box. Well, yeah, I just, I think they give them, they're just, they're more of a threat. Like if Dokes is in the game right now, I think it's telegraphs a little bit of what they're going to do from it, from a run standpoint, they're not pitching him the ball. He's getting the ball out of the shotguns, starting it basically, you know, dead standstill and trying to hit something between the tackles. And right now it's not working for whatever reason. Like the interior doesn't seem to be blocking like we expected. Well, I, I talked about weeks ago that, that there was some concern at, at guard. And it's played out. Right. The, the, so, those two have not been – they've not been bad, but they've oh, not been I, effective in, in terms of running the ball up the middle. I expected more – I mean, you're never, you, you very rarely break big runs between the tackles unless there's an assignment miss by the defense or, like, someone just blatantly misses a tackle. But last year we saw a lot of five, six, seven, eight-yard runs. And then Mike would wear him down and then he'd bounce one outside and run, go for 40 or, you know, whatever. Through two games, we're not seeing even like two, three, four-yard runs up the middle. No. A, a lot of times we're seeing minus three-yard runs up the middle. Right. Which that is, that is as clear of an indication as you can get that you're having problems at guard and center. Right. So that brings me to my whole like 80% thing. If you're having guard problems at guard and center, I don't think it's in your best interest to use your 230 pound tailback as much as you would like to, if you weren't having problems at guard and center. I would agree with that. How much would you maybe give an opportunity to guys like Woodside and, and O'Quinn to see what they can do? Sure. I mean, well, you got this week. Notre Dame, I think it's still running for touchdowns against South Florida. <laughs> so that's the other thing. Like we talked about if Dez struggles this week, it's, you know, if we can't run the ball up the middle this week, then. Not running the ball up the middle. Yeah, then you're probably not running the ball up the middle with your current, whatever your current game plan is whether that means new offensive linemen whether that means different running backs whether that means different running plays um you know some of it also i will say some of it is going to be an adjustment because you had two years worth of stuff that you knew worked for mike and you're now figuring out on the fly what stuff works for these guys but that leash is getting shorter because you're now getting into, you know, the conference play and getting into the meat of your schedule. Well, yeah, when you have what we think are four pretty talented running backs, we're done with the time of, like, let's see, give this guy his package of plays and see how they go. Like, I'm done with that. Play the guys that we know their package of plays have been working. Yeah. Sorry. Like, (laughs) like you don't put, you don't keep putting a slow wide receiver out there because he's got great hands thinking, well, eventually he'll get open. No, you just put the guys out there that, you know, get open. And I'm I'm not equating Dokes to slow. I'm just saying like, if the package of plays that work in the running game are Jerome Fords and Chucks, then run those plays. Find a rhythm offensively yeah, is kind of what it comes down to. You know, it was, it was pretty dis, yeah, it's pretty disjointed. I thought on a couple different times, I mean, my, my, you know, I know just like Des, coach Denbrock likes to be, take the slings and arrows from the fan base at times. I thought it was definitely more Des's play versus play. The game was look, if we're going to talk about wide receivers running wide open all over the field, then you can't talk about how bad the offensive coordinator is, right? right. 
Right. I mean, there was there was really the only bones I had was after we blocked the punt, you could really pretty much end the game right there if you get it in. I didn't love running it four times. I didn't love the personnel that they used to run it four times. And then there was a play in the – I think it was the four, fourth quarter. Again, we're on, like, their 40-yard line. You score there, the game is definitely over. You're up two touchdowns. And on third and nine, we ran dokes. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. We took shots. We, we Everyone said we want to be more aggressive. We were aggressive, you know. We had an interception trying to be aggressive. We had an overthrow, two overthrows trying to be aggressive. Wiley down the middle, you know, got his feet, just happened to be caught up. But again, I think that ball was too flat and was going to be overthrown anyway. The, the throw to DeGuar, uh, LaBelle was, was not good. No. And even, even some of the ones that were completed, like Jaden Thompson had a great catch. He was draped up. Guy was yeah. all over him. That was a good throw. That might have been his best throw of the day. Yeah, other than out, throw to, to the sideline was the only place it could have been for him to catch it. But I know in the beginning of the game, there were a couple that I was watching and like that shouldn't even be thrown. That guy's not open. Like there was right. one to Wiley in the first quarter on the army side of the hash marks where he, like the three guys were around him. So you know, four, four batted balls. Obviously, those aren't always on the quarterback. Some of it's typically on the offensive line. Um, it's about 50-50. But, but that's not something we've ever seen. Like, it's not like Dez has had a problem with batted balls in the past. So, to see four of them like that, like, what was, you know, something yeah. going on there. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Bulls. I think that's that's enough offensive talk. You got, you got anything else on the Army game? Um, Ethan Tucky is a uh, punt blocking machine. Yeah, he's going to get. Oh, I'll, I'll get to that here shortly. But he's going to get one this game too. I would bet an uncomfortable amount of money that he blocks one this week too. All right, South Florida coming in to Nippert Stadium, three thirty Saturday. Holy Grail watch party. Be there. Um, give me your your overall observations on what looks like a pretty rough year in Tampa. Yeah, so if I told you that you had 13 rough, I think it was 13 guys opt out of the season, COVID concerns, then you halted practice, I guess it would have been two weeks ago, and apparently if they would have played last week, they would have had around 78 people, or players able to play. So they should get some of them back, but their coach, Jeff Scott, has basically already said there will be guys out. Uh, They have no idea who their quarterback is going to be. He had said that he wanted to use the first three or four non-conference games. I don't know if they have three before our game and one later or what. To figure out his quarterback, that obviously has gone out the window. Um their performance at Notre Dame was dreadful. They lost 52 to nothing. They were three for 20 on third down. I think they had less than 200 yards of total offense, maybe a little bit more. And now they're, you know, coming to play a team that doesn't seem to have had any issues with COVID, no, no real injury concerns. And for as much as you can be running on all cylinders in the world of college football that we're in now it doesn't look good um i think they'll be starting a true freshman at quarterback he's thrown eight passes in their first two games he didn't complete any against notre dame should go well for them yeah um they have used i want to say five long snappers for punts that had hold on hold on oh i'm i got a good one how how do you how do you are they just having like random like well when your um one of your video guys comes out of football retirement because all the other guys have either gotten hurt or are out with covid that's how you use five long snappers so i've never heard of a team using uh more than uh two so if Ethan Tucker doesn't block a punt this week, we should have 
Brian Mason on the podcast to find out how the hell you can't block a punt against the guy that was filming video two weeks ago. <laughs> now, I don't know if that guy is, maybe some guys have returned from COVID or aren't hurt anymore or whatever, but yes, they, I don't know if it was Notre Dame or Citadel, but they have used five long snappers. That's uh, it's a lot or of they're on what would be their fifth. I don't know if they've used, like, if one through four have all played, but they're on what would be their fifth. They were on what would be their fifth option. So special teams aren't going awesome for them either. Um, just not a, just, I mean, Jeff Scott's talking about learning how to practice, learning how to go to meetings, all the stuff you hear in year zero type stuff. Like we're yeah. literally teaching them the very, very, very basics of what we expect a real football team to look like. So what you're saying is that discipline and culture were a problem under Charlie Strong. Yeah, that's pretty huh. much what I'm saying. That's that's really surprising. Yeah, you know. Those things have never been an issue anywhere else he's been. <laughs> so if jokingly i asked you the other day have you ever seen a hundred to nothing game and we're not going to see that because that's not the style of that uc plays but ucf might put a hundred on them the way they, they like push, their push. their offense in s&p plus on espn is 118th in the country so there's 119 teams no there's like 128 i okay. think but just think about that. Like, it's not great. They're a, a top six level conference team in Florida, and they can't find a quarterback, any wide receivers that are worth a damn. They got one running back. Johnny Ford is back on the team this year. Uh, he's a little short, quick dude. Our fans probably remember him. I don't think he played last year. He was handsome. I don't know if he was suspended, took some time away or what, but he's on the team and he's a I mean he he'll he's a good player, but outside of sales. Him, yeah. Yeah, he's probably loving life down in Tampa, man. <laughs> he wanted to be a Bearcat a couple of times, just never pulled the trigger. Yeah. He's first team all conference player. He is. Good but, player. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how these guys are going to score. It it doesn't sound good. Outside of like a 70-yard touchdown run by Johnny Ford, like their quarterbacks can't complete passes. Yeah, so that's a problem. How are they going to just drive down the field? That's like kind of what I said about Army is like I know that their offense is built that way, but you think they're just going to go like 15 plays on this defense? I didn't think so. It's kind of the same thing this week. Like, how are they going to score? Yeah, I mean, trying trying to go three yards in a cloud of dust against this defense is not a uh, not a real smart way. To I'm try sure to their wide receivers are good athletes and fast, but it sounds like the quarterbacks can't get them the ball. So, well, of course they're good athletes and fast. Everybody on that team should be a good athlete and fast. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's that's South Florida. At least one starting offensive lineman is a freshman. I don't think that's because he's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's no bueno. It could be another another fifty burger on the Bulls, and I don't I don't think they'll win another game this year. I think they are head and shoulders the worst team in the conference. I mean, ECU is better. ECU is, ECU is way better than them. No, I mean, just in terms of like where we've seen them. Oh, like, yeah. ECU is better. Uh, Tulsa is pretty bad, right? They're, They're Jekyll and Hyde. Offensively, they've been terrible so far. Their defense actually has been pretty good. I think they lead the nation in sacks per game. I mean, again, you have way less teams playing and Right. I think they're averaging like three sacks a game. Um, they did a nice job against Oklahoma State. I don't know if that is more an indictment on Oklahoma State not being as good as maybe 
some people thought. Twelve stakes. We obviously don't know anything about Temple because they're not playing until next week. <laughs> they had no non-conference games. Have they started practicing yet? I, I don't know. I know as of like two weeks ago, they still hadn't done any contact. So who knows? Uh, not sure about the Owls. Who? <laughs> but See what yeah, I did there? South Florida, not going to be a good year. I mean, who else would be at the bottom? I mean, nobody. I mean, Tulane would crush them. Navy would crush them. Like, it's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, not you, great. So you, you think this one is going to be uh, about as comfortable as Austin P for the? I think it'll be worse because Austin P had played a game against. Like, I don't think. Like, if that was UC's first game, I would expect them to play better than they played against Austin P. And you, I'm sure USF is quite a bit better than Austin P. But it wasn't but, like they crushed the Citadel. I think they won like 26 to 7 or something. And I think you're also going to have, hopefully, a Desmond Ritter that's got a little sense of urgency after knowing, like, he wasn't good against Army. Right. You would hope he has that, right? What well, you would hope. <laughs> so you like the Bearcats by a comfortable margin. Yes. Your final your final prediction will be uh, yeah. available Friday. Definitely comfy heading into the, the bye week, which I think looking you know, revisionist history probably couldn't have asked for a better setup schedule wise to the beginning of the season with how all this stuff is shaken out. Like with teams in the league, a lot of teams in the league having to postpone games. Yeah. Um, if they can get three games in and then get a bye, and, you know, I think it'll be about as ideal as one could have given everything going on. Um, anything else you got? Oh, I got a couple things. Big, Big. recruiting win oh, yeah. on Saturday. Talk about the, rec- the recruit we didn't know was happening. Yeah, I mean, I like I, like I said on the board, I, I knew, like, things were pretty serious. Uh, obviously, that was one that they wanted to not have blasted all over the place that they were uh, heavily involved with. But, um, did not expect uh his commitment on saturday morning no i was not asleep but i didn't expect to be need to be by my phone at that point in time so i wasn't by my phone and uh i i come back about 15 minutes later check my phone and i've got a call and a text from you and about 14 calls from somebody else that uh is related to a former general manager in major league baseball. Um, <laughs> that one was a, that was a pleasant surprise when the, yeah. uh, apparently what happened this is a little, a little inside info here. Apparently what happened is um, Friday, they made up that graphic that he used the committed graphic. Uh, they, they had the graphics department, make that up on Friday is a bit of a, like, uh, like a, you know, this is what it would look like if you committed to Cincinnati. And then he must Saturday, have just liked it. He liked it that yeah, much. Saturday. He just, that's what sealed him. the deal. It's Saturday. He just called and was like, Hey, uh, I'm committed, and he posted it on Twitter all, like Remember immediately. Remember that graphic you sent me yesterday? I'm about to post it on Twitter. Yeah, like, alrighty then. Well, okay. After watching, you know, highlights, high school <laughs> highlights, or high school highlights, but <coughs> tell him what you said to me. What, what did I say? Is, is how much <laughs> how, did we how, pay him? <laughs> yeah, how much did we pay to get this guy? Holy crap! <laughs> I mean. His tight end, his offensive highlights were uh, they're absurd. And 
you know, whenever I send out like a commitment tweet, I always put reported offers from, and I don't know if it matters or what, but I always just kind of, you know how it goes. An yeah. offer from a school doesn't mean you could commit to that school when you're ready, when the time you're ready to commit. I feel fairly confident after watching his tape that if he wanted to commit to maybe almost all of those schools, he could. He's not a guy. He's one of those guys you 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 figure out a way to get done if you want to get it done, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, if if we're turning into to tight end you, then so be it. I mean, he said that was definitely something that like he was aware of. Obviously, the, the coaches, I'm sure, made that uh, well, yeah abundantly clear. But you know, that's a thing. If you if you keep pumping guys into the NFL at one position, it becomes a little bit easier to sell the next line of guys you're recruiting on on that ability. For sure. So there's a so we were talking earlier about UCF where they might finish in the conference. There's a sneaky conference game this week is Memphis at SMU. One, it's Memphis's first game since their opener. And two, SMU doesn't play UCF this year. And they get Memphis and us at home. So if they win, which I think they will, if they beat Memphis, that game against us then becomes incredibly important. Because if they were to win that, I'm not sure I see them losing to anybody else that they have to play. And then Memphis would have a loss. We'd have a loss. UCF would probably still be undefeated. So it's a huge game for, I mean, I don't think Memphis is as good as people putting them kind of like right there with UCF. I think they're a shade behind. I just haven't seen them play enough. I don't know how Gainwell not being there is going to determine things. They've had some opt-outs since the party bus incident. I just don't know how not playing for a month is going to affect them all of a sudden because they play they play at SMU and then turn around the very next week and play UCF at home. So that's a big game that it's kind of the thing like you're so consumed, I think, right now with your own team and or is their game going to happen? Is the team they're playing, are they having any problems? Like, I don't know if we've gotten, at least I haven't necessarily gotten into like the whole looking around to the other games that matter yet. And this is a big one that is going to matter that, you know, will be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the way this conference situation is, it, 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 it gets interesting quick. Um, and there's not, it's <laughs> not a whole lot of data points because of all the cancellations and everything. So, no, you still think SMU's top of the conference good? I think they can be. I mean, they play their two hardest games are at home. Yeah, and we know this this team so far under Fickle has been an okay road team. Has not been a great road team. Their defense. Not great, but it, it's kind of like the whole deal with Memphis last year. We held them to their lowest amount of points all year, but it wasn't enough. So unless our offense can get into the 30s against a competent team on the road, it's hard. I mean, as much as I want to believe it can happen, it's hard to just, like, assume it's going to happen or assume that the defense is going to take a team that averages 40 a game. And hold them to 21. And hold, right, hold them to 21 and win 24-21 or something like right. that. Right. No, I feel you. So, I mean, I think this game, again, that game with them and Memphis will tell us a lot, tell us how good or bad Memphis is, and the same for SMU. Because, I mean – SMU hasn't been challenged yet, and Memphis made pretty good work of Arkansas State in the second half, who then turned around and whipped Kansas State's ass on the road. Bob Bowlesby, give me a call. You need some teams that are worth a crap in your conference. 
And then Kansas State beats Oklahoma. Oklahoma after being down 21. Texas needs the most miracles of miracles to erase a 15-point deficit with three minutes to go because Texas Tech doesn't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> but You're big on the Big 12 this year. Very it's, high on them. It's, it's the same thing every year. Outside of Oklahoma, they always lose a game. Now it's more glaring because they don't have the non-conference games to build the resume back up. Like, you've already lost a game. You still have to play everybody else. And everybody else is kind of good. So do you re- do we really think, like, they're just going to not lose again? I mean, they, they might, might not. But, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost twice more. What we also have to say is, Lincoln Riley looks like a Big 12 coach in that they aren't great at defense. They have not been a great at defense since he's been there. Well, here's the funny thing. They took Alex Grinch from Ohio State, who was co-defensive coordinator and is now defensive coordinator. He's probably running the they, same. They, they hated same him stuff. at Ohio State, didn't they? What? They didn't like him at Ohio State, did they? They had a good defense when him and Shiano were co-defensive coordinators. Yeah, I guess everybody credited Shiano. I thought I remember a lot of people not liking Grinch. But I don't know if it's – I don't know. I mean, the guy's a quarterback whisperer. I mean, Spencer Rattler for a true Oh, yeah, he's he's a great offensive coach. They're not true freshmen. Richard freshman, but – Their defense just has not been good. I I mean, I don't know if this relates, but it kind of just made me think of I know a lot of our fans are upset about, like, dropping in the rankings after beating Army, blah, blah, blah. I don't think Army's really that good. So t- saying that we beat a ranked team, whatever. But the whole point of it is, is, like, right now, who cares? Just keep winning because, like, guess what? The SEC, all those SEC teams in front of us, they all have to play each other. Texas A&M? They're playing Florida or someone really good this week. Auburn's playing Georgia. They never play this early. So, and then they're going to turn around and play Alabama or whoever. Like, outside of maybe Alabama, Florida seems pretty darn good. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams in the SC Championship had two losses. So you just keep winning. Don't worry about it. Like, the Big Ten's going to come back. They're going to, outside of Ohio State, I think they're going to do the same thing to each other. I think it's fool's gold to think that they're not going to have games that are impacted like everybody else is having games impacted, and they built in no window for makeup games. So, and I'm not saying this from like a college football playoff UC getting in standpoint, just like a whole college football in general discussion. I just wouldn't worry about it right now. Like things are so you've almost had as half as many games postponed as you've had played. We just don't know how what happens if this stuff affects like one of the a top ten team. Right now it's only been, you know, because no one's played yet except the SEC last week was their first week. Right. But it's it's not something that I'm really giving much thought of. Although today of course, the college football playoff announced that they're going to keep the playoff at four teams because, you know, why wouldn't you when every other freaking sport that's playing has realized that this is a weird year and has added teams to their playoff structure, we're just going to keep it at four. Of course. Like, what are you doing? Well, You, you, you already have the biggest – disproportion in number of teams playing versus teams that are eligible that can make your play or that make your playoff four out of 128. Look in a situation, this is what's dumb. This is what's really dumb. In a situation where there are so few non-conference games and so many leagues only playing conference games, why would you not allow for a situation where each conference has representation in the in the playoff format. What happens if, like, we'll just use Ohio State as an example because they didn't build in any buffer weeks. What if they only play six games? 
Right. And they don't and they don't make the playoff because of that. But they should make the playoff because if there were eight teams in the playoffs, they would they're one of the eight best teams. But I can totally see them being like I'm even okay with six. I'm okay with every conference champion from the P five, because they're gonna get it's it, they're autonomous, they get what they want. And then the highest ranked G five team. You would assume the highest ranked G five team is going to be yeah, you, know, you can put the caveat like Highest ranked G five conference champion. Yeah, and you make it six. Well, that's way you, I mean, you get the first two teams a buy. That way you're not you're not dealing with the drama of those two wild card spots. You know that are going to have to be selected from incomplete data. You just say, look, we got five. Those five are getting in. We'll let the sixth in. They'll they'll be part of the process. The highest ranked G five uh, champion, and then you do six, and you do a six team playoff, and it looks exactly like the NFL has looked for how many years? That's what each conference has looked like for for a long time. How does yeah. that not work? How does that? How is that not the easiest, most simple path to creating? a playoff in this very specific, very particular climate? You know the answer, right? They're dumb. Well, that. <laughs> the answer is also very dumb. Because they know if they expand, there's no going back. Right. And for some reason, they don't want to make more money. But I don't. I don't understand why... Why isn't there no going back? Just say we did it this year because of teams didn't have as many games because teams because playing, of, because of what I just said. Playing ten games, another team is playing seven games. Like it's, we're just doing it because of of inequitable. Because, because once you make more money for adding two extra games, you're not putting that money back, like giving it back. You're, you're you can't. That's I mean that's just the the reality of it, right? Like. Once I mean, that, are, once those checks clear, you're not going into the next year and saying, "No, we didn't like that money for the extra two games." Money, which, by the way, that the NCAA doesn't get to touch, right? right? Like it's all going to the conferences. What are we doing here? Well, I always what are we doing? back on these are the same guys that had a four decided on a fourteen playoff with five power conferences. It's not great. Automatically, at least knocking one of you guys out. Like, so. I mean, well, the Pac-12 well, Pac has no shot. No shot of getting a team in. They could – a Pac-12 team could go undefeated and win every game by 30 points, and they're still not getting in. But that's also because the SEC has no interest in only having one team in. They know they're going to get two over the Pac-12. Yeah. They know they're going to get two most years over anybody. Like, there's there's going to be a situation with four teams that the SEC is going to get two more often than not. See, this is the year where it might not happen because they're changed since they had to change their scheduling. For yeah. That. I mean, Tennessee is a probably a, a top 15, top 20 team. This year, they could very easily lose five games because they're playing because of the way yeah. the schedule fell. But here's the thing, Dave. Yes, they are the autonomous five, right? Of course. But they ain't all equal. No, and, and they know been. they know they ain't all equal. Like that's that's why we saw the cluster fuck. Sorry, Dan, that we saw <laughs> in the offseason. Everybody doing their own thing. Can't, can't even everybody's. Come yeah, everybody's looking out for number one. One year to, to for the betterment and to make it not, not it wouldn't even it still wouldn't be equal, but it would no. still be like, hey, we're all on the same page. We've all decided we're gonna do eight conference games, one non-conference game, schedule whatever the hell you want. We'll all play nine. We'll try to all play you know, nine. If we know that we might not all play nine, but you got American over here, oh yeah, play all twelve. And you got the SEC over here. We're, we're, gonna, we're only going to play conference. You got the Big Ten putting out a schedule, then six days later canceling it. 
And then six weeks after that, coming up with a cure for myocarditis and player safety is not as important six weeks after it was really important. So, and now the Mac is back. Apparently they found like money underneath their football stadiums because now they're uh-huh. testing four times a day when they lied initially and said it was about player safety when it was really your conference is broke and you couldn't afford to test. So, yay, college football. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. All right. Oh, you feel better? Oh, I love it. <laughs> the, there's, always, the, the, it's, it's, there's always something. I mean... The, the drama and... Uh, the stuff that has happened is very good for the podcast industry. I'll say that. Yeah. All right. Well, make your plans Saturday, three 30 watch party. Holy grail. Uh, I've heard some, some others have, uh, I know our, our friends at Republic of Cincinnati have, uh, brought out the trailer to a friend's house and, and done some, uh, socially distanced tailgating. There's the people are getting creative. But uh, if, if you're comfortable, head to the Holy Grail, get there early, have your whole party, get you a table, and uh, watch the Bearcats wipe out the Bulls. Predictions from Dave and Chad to come uh, Friday. Is, is the beer count back for this week since? Um, no, not really, because we're watching it. We're celebrating my birthday. We're watching it at my parents. So, yeah. So you're drinking an, a, a ton of beers. Well, yeah, but it's celebrating it's not, your it's birthday. Not the sa- it's not the same when there's not when I'm not tailgating. Like I, I know. Um, but the people, you know, the people. What, what's on the menu? What's Dave's oh, birthday oh, menu? Um, I actually asked that today because I I didn't know. I think it's a flank steak or, or flat iron steak. I'm not sure. Uh, some vegetable, some potato thing. Usually I'm asked what I want because it's my birthday. <laughs> they just figured steak and potatoes will do. I didn't, I did not get, uh, a menu request <laughs> this year. So I'm, I'm flying a little blind. Well, enjoy. But I'm, I'm excited to watch the number 15 team in the country on ESPN plus for the second time. Yeah. We're all excited about that. Enjoy. Give the family my best. Tell them I said hello. I will. I'm sure they're all listening to this podcast. Uh, my mom will be at some point. Hi, mom. <laughs> She'll be mad that I said a bad word. No, she won't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by our friends at the Holy Grail on BearcatJournal.com.